This is Marie Crabb, candidate for City Council District 5, and I listen to Cut to the Chase. Hello, everyone. This is Gregory Proctor, the host of Cut to the Chase. Welcome to Episode 17, Run for the Ballot. Today, we have a special guest. She is a native of San Antonio. She's a proud member of her community. She has a long-standing heritage of, of traditions and ethics. She's someone that has created her own path without a roadmap. Since she was a little girl, her mother used to always tell her she needs to become a doctor or a lawyer. When she grew up, her dreams was to help people. And now, today, as we all know, she is running for city council. She understands the feelings of not having and the voice in society because you have less. One of her goals is to empower citizens so that they know they have a voice regardless of their social economic status. Her backstory is, is basically as a child, she was she had a lot of struggles, never had enough food, uh, stable place to live with her parents. Um, she immediately found that it was not the way of life she wanted to live. So as she had an opportunity to pursue and get her bachelor's and her master's, buy a home and become a business owner, eventually she found out that her father had passed away. And as she grew up and moved forward in life, uh, some of those old memories just still resonated very closely with her. So today our special guest is a successful real estate agent at Exquisite Properties. She's an advocate for her clients. She gives her clients the very best every day, not only in the best possible customer service, but prides herself in the fact of maintaining excellent communication and value, valuing the relationship even after the purchase of a home. Besides being a full-time realtor, she has a master's degree from St. Mary University. She has an undergraduate in BA in criminal justice from St. Mary's University. She served as two internships with the Department of State of Washington, D.C. She's a certified equal opportunity employment commissioner and counselor. She's a trained medita- uh, mediator uh, and a volunteer with the protected animals within San Antonio. So outside of her real estate career and her building strong ethics with her clients and going beyond the status quo, she's putting herself out there as the best representation for District 5. She wants to be the advocate for District 5 and drive the dynamic growth and outweigh the factors which have basically kind of, you know, dilapidated that that particular district. I mean, she feels that there's there's some some more that can be brought to the area. So without further ado, we have a lot to talk about, particularly as it talks about politics. So <laughs> I know there was a lot for, that I had to say. There's probably a few things that I left out, but what can you tell our opening to? What can you tell our audience? Um, well, first of all, I'm really super excited to be here talking with you today, and I'm very excited to uh, talk about my campaign message. And you pretty much covered everything. That's my life in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a lot of in a lot of cases, uh, you know, I try to do a little bit of homework and research about 
our special guest so that uh, I don't come across with blah blah blah. <laughs> but uh, I have to be. I have to say first and foremost, we're honored because you're the first political candidate that we've ever had on our podcast. Which uh, that that's a great honor. Uh, besides that, you're you're a good friend, someone that I respect, someone that I've done business with in the past. And so, you know, with all those things, we're just trying to offer a platform to be able to help you out, and we wish you all the best. And so, uh, certainly, we want to jump into uh, some of the questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So, uh, you know, you're running for city for a candidate for city council. Can you can you explain to our audience basically why you are aspiring to become? a city council of District 5? Um, Absolutely. Well, the shortest answer, and I'll expound on that, is at heart, I'm an advocate. I'm a representative. Um, I've always felt a responsibility to speak up for others. Um, Even when I was little, that's something that my mom did. Um, And it it has just always been my nature. Um, So I think... What I've been able to do with real estate over the past 10 and a half years is really hone the ability of advocating for people and not just advocating, but getting something accomplished because, you know, in a transaction, you have to have, um, you know, uh, a house at the end of the the road for the client. So um, I've been able to hone the skill of advocacy and I really feel like I'm prepared to um, take that to another level, but you know, for my district. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So, you know, in some of the backstory that I read off earlier, as well as you know the struggles and 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 the triumph for you being able to overcome from where you originally started. You know, in your mind, as a as a little child, as as an adolescent growing up, I mean, were you considering options even at that stage for for running for office? It it may sound really um, funny, but even when I was little, somehow I always knew I wanted to to run for office or be a a politician and not a politician in, you know, the sense of what we think of politicians today, but a representative. Um, I make a joke with my friends that, you know, because I was an eighth grade class president, even as a middle schooler, I was kind of bossy. But (laughs) all joking aside, I... I truly think um, it's the it's the role of a city representative to lead, but um, by you know a servant leadership type of style, asking people like, "How can I make things better for you?" And that's always been something that. Um, has just been my style. So even as, um, you know, early as middle school, I can refer, I remember wanting to, um, be in politics as weird as it sounds. Wow. Wow. That's, that's pretty interesting. So, so as you went through grade school and high school, did you ever run for like class president or any of those type of seats when you were in high school? Um, in high school, no, I did not, but I was involved with, um, something it, it's basically a club where we do community service um mm-hmm. so but no no office in uh high school okay okay all right so so basically as we all know part- particularly in the ongoing social uprising pandemic and you know we're 
we're seeing our current president-elect, you know, he's, he's having a, a very difficult time. And so I think everybody has the consensus that politics is hard. And so therefore, you know, as I see it, how would you explain to our audience, you know, that you are built for this? You know, how, how are you going to tackle some of the tough issues? Because as, as you've mentioned, you know, there are some things in District 5 that we'll talk about a little bit later that, you know, you're going to have to overcome because of certain things that are going on there. So help our audience understand a little bit more about how are you built for this? Are, are you really prepared for stepping into the, the politic arena? That is a really good question. Um, So the best way I can answer is, um, you know, my life has been um, a series of overcoming difficulties. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, just, I feel like it, I've lived probably five lifetimes in the course of one. (laughs) And um, I never thought about the difficulties in the moment. I just did whatever I needed to do to get through it and kept moving forward. And um, I've learned at this point that really there's nothing that I can't do. And, um, you know, so I kind of see District 5 in that light. Um, There's so many things that need to be done and it's been left behind in a lot of ways, but there's nothing that can't happen for that district. And that's where I get my energy from is just knowing that I've done it for myself, you know, on a smaller scale. Um, so, um, truly it's, it, I'm, that's my fabric. So, um, I've experienced a lot of the problems that are still issues in district five personally. So, and overcome those. Um, and I, um, work with a campaign coach because I've never run a campaign before. I'm brand new to politics. Um, so I'm, I'm learning all of this as I go. And, um, you know, I, I tell her, (laughs) you know, sometimes I'll lay awake at night thinking, am I really putting myself out there for everyone to judge? And, you know, like I get a little bit of, I guess what you could call, um, you know, stage fright or nervousness, but, um, it's, it's, temporary. And she reminds me that, you know, probably if I didn't have those thoughts, I wouldn't be the right person for this job. (laughs) And, you know, so, um, I think just the person I am, what I've overcome, um, makes me feel that I am, um, built for this. And I know it's probably going to be harder in ways that I can't even think of right now. Um, but again, I, I, what I reference to make myself feel better about this is, uh, I just have to think about the things that I've overcome in my life and then I feel better. Yeah. 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 Well, very, very well stated. Um, so, so certainly for us, you know, and even to my listening audience, we've had a lot of different segments regarding how to overcome, deal with adversity and deal with challenges. And from what I know about your background, you know, certainly I believe you have the endurance you have the integrity and you have the wherewithal to be able to succeed at whatever you put your mind to. And uh, certainly, you know, from from our platform here at Cut to the Chase, you know, we're we're behind you and we're definitely supporting you. Thank you. So so, you know, uh, I've got several more questions as, as we really want to dive into, because as as I read a lot of the things that are going on in District five, I saw that there is just there was so much kind of, you know, for lack of better terms, displacement going on in that area. And so, 
you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious with regards to what is your plan to address, uh, you know, and provide solutions to invite development in such a way that it doesn't displace the citizens of District 5? Uh, it's a really good question. Um, so what I do pretty much all day, every day when I'm working and doing other things is try to think of solutions. And mm-hmm. I'm constantly thinking of ways that, um, you know, development and uh, not displacing citizens or not making people feel like they're being pushed out can be overcome. And there's no one answer, but, uh, you know, some of the thoughts that I've come up with are, I mean, first, you know, we have the issue of development and I know that for a lot of people, it's been sort of a dirty word and it's, um, you know, the developer is kind of the easy person to blame as far as, you know, taxes going up and, um, you know, everything is changing. So that's the most obvious reason why. Um, I do think that we as a district um, should maybe start a discussion about thinking of it differently because um, we're one of the oldest districts in the city. I mean, Mm -hmm. some of the oldest neighborhoods are in District 5. Our infrastructure is falling apart in a lot of places and somehow I mean it just it doesn't get fixed either fast enough or consistently enough because you know they may be fixing potholes but then they're right back to potholes you know in a couple months time Um, and that's not to say the city doesn't have the best of intentions with trying to you know fix the infrastructure but I do think that um, a lot needs to be done so I said all that to say um, when developers are uh, going into locations, um, and I'll just use uh, Savio Street as an example, um, they are required by the city to put in sidewalks or to put in, um, you know, street lights or whatever the requirement to, um, you know, the, connecting the developer site to the the street. Um, so a lot of the times developers are the ones putting in the sidewalks that the city has not done for years. So um, I think as long, if we're thinking of real solutions, we have to think of what is actually happening. And um, I know that because it's, it it may be that we don't know what the intentions of developers are. Um, Maybe we think the worst of them, but truly, Sometimes those are the ones that are fixing our infrastructure, our sidewalks, and putting streetlights quicker than the city is. So um, I think the discussion around development in areas like District 5 has to be thought of in different lights. So that still leaves the issue of people feeling like, hey, taxes are going up and, you know, all these things are changing and I I'm, I'm feel like I'm being pushed out. Well, I also think that there's the responsibility of the city to potentially um, enact another tax freeze for residents who have been in their homes for a very long time. I don't think it's fair for you to have been the fabric fabric of a neighborhood and then a lot of changes happen and those two things can't be married without one thing completely exiting because then you're losing the culture of that neighborhood. 
Um, so I, I think that it's going to involve a lot of smart minds and a lot of people who are willing to say, hey, um, development is not always bad. Uh, we have to make, we have to help people understand that they're not going to be pushed out. Here's what we can do. Maybe we have a tax freeze. Our taxes aren't going up, but our sidewalks are improving. Um, so um, that's the closest thing to an answer that I've come yet. And like I said, I'm always thinking of ways and I don't think there's going to be any one answer. Um, but, you know, that's what I've got so far. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, certainly uh, trying to institute some type of... Uh... Um, whether you, what do you call it, a referendum or some type of mandate where mm-hmm. things are imposed for a couple years uh, to kind of help those out, like you said, that have been grandfathered in is is obviously one approach. Uh, certainly, you know, as as uh, as we look at it from from me being an entrepreneur and kind of doing things that that I've done across not only the United States, but but abroad in other countries, you know, like you said, coming to the table and being able to have that open dialogue and really laying out kind of, you know, with the planning committee, you know, the direction Mm -hmm. and course that everyone can buy into, because what typically happens is people don't know until it's far too late, you know, regardless if you have, if you have a public hearing or if you have other type of community relations type of discussions, you know, if you don't message things correctly, you don't get that word out before you actually start instituting, uh, uh, changes, right. then uh, people are certainly uh, left in the dark. And so, you know, I, I strongly believe that if you're the person to be able to uh, to kind of move this in the, in the right direction, that you could share with our listening audience, how are you going to reinforce that through your campaign messaging, you know? Um, that um, is a great question. I... I'm someone who is a connector. I I connect with people. So when I'm talking to someone, I'm not just saying, hey, here's what the plan is. I'm asking, what do you think the the plan should be? And then telling you my ideas. So I think when people know that you're um, genuine, they hear your message more readily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 true. That's true. And uh, and certainly, you know, we, we can't have enough of that, uh, uh, what I call uh, authentic, uh, personable appeal, considering, you know, how things are, are in our current society today. Right. So so with regards to, you know, let's just say kind of fast forwarding and, and, and you're going through the campaign track of this, you know, what are some of the improvement options that you're looking for? to kind of help improve voter turnout. I mean, are you are you going door to door right now or are you you have your campaign team going out with flyers or how how is your how is your message being conveyed at this point in time to increase voter turnout? So, um, the I guess a difficulty that I'm finding with running a campaign in, in a pandemic is um, you your it's the contact with people has to be thought out, uh, you know, and how can we campaign and still keep our distance and, uh, get my message across. So I'm, we haven't started door to door, uh, campaigning yet. And I think it might be a little, little while we're going to see, uh, what happens with, you know, they're saying we're 
might experience a second wave of um, infection rate. So we'll see how that shakes out. But uh, social media is one avenue. Not everybody has social media. Um, I am meeting with people in the community just on a one-on-one -on -one basis, you know, at, at their comfort level um, and just talking, uh, having conversations. Um, so uh, really it's, it's going to be a little bit quelled until we figure out how um, the uh, restrictions around the coronavirus uh, shake out. Um, so it's doing podcasts. It, I have a Facebook page. I have a, a homepage for my campaign. Um, and again, really just talking to people in the community. Um, yeah. 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 Well, well, the other thing that I would I would uh, just kind of throw throw out as as not only being a friend, uh, but but a professional colleague is, uh, you know, when I look back and growing up in the late 60s and early 70s and having to deal with anything that provided any type of uh, social economic uh, unrest or, or or various things that were going on, which we don't have to get into those details right now you know, we always diverted back to the radio. You know, I don't know mm -hmm. if you're doing public radio uh, type of messaging, but but that would be one strong recommendation that, uh, that certainly as people have their radios on all the time in their house, listening to music and so forth and so on, that might be another avenue for you to have an outreach towards uh, towards candidates. That's a really good idea. <laughs> the radio has not gone out of style, and um, I think you're right. That's a pretty widespread um, listener base. Yep, 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 absolutely, absolutely. So with regards to the people of District 5, you know, continuing to try to foster, as you've alluded to, you, you know, you want to be an advocate for their heritage. You want to be an advocate for keeping things in that community, you know, kind of kind of very closely uh, uh, together, knitted together. So, you know, as you're trying to balance, because obviously it's going to be a balancing act, right? You're, you're going to be, you know, the city council person and you're going to have to balance uh, new commercials, uh, new development, along with the, the fact that people are going to want jobs, you know? So, mm -hmm. so what are some of the things that you're looking at there to try and balance that dilemma, as I call it, between commercial buy, development, people wanting jobs, external investment is needed to create those opportunities, and trying to ensure that the overall taxable bracket doesn't really go, you know, from wherever it is today to to a number that people can't deal with. You know, can you tune us in, you know, provide us a little bit more insight into how you're going to finesse that whole situation? Um, well, I think the tax question is a really hot button issue and rightly so. Um, and um, I think it's going to be a meeting of the minds of the folks that are in charge of uh, raising the taxes every year and finding a new way to to raise money for that portion to substitute that portion because we certainly can't just not have development because we don't want taxes to go up because I guarantee if development stops, taxes are still going to go up because people are moving into uh, the District 5 community and certainly property values, you know, as houses sell for more expensive, then property values go up. So again, I think going back to that idea of doing a, a you know, temporary tax freeze to let people catch their breath who have been in the um, neighborhood for some time. 
Um, and, you know, with development coming in, I think um, just ensuring that developers are aware of the fabric of the neighborhood and not putting in um, something that just stands out so much. Um, you know, something, a, a office building that you would see on the north side, you know, right in the middle of um, the west side, because I think there's a lot of ways to tie development in. Like you have a lot of folks who have taken old factories. Um, I have a friend that she completely transformed a um, factory that used to make uh, uniforms and mm -hmm. now it's artist lofts. And I think that's conscientious development because you have artists from the community um, and, you know, she has kept the lease rate at a very reasonable rate and that's allowing artists to practice their um, art in the area that they want to live in the area that they want to be. You have um, that building bringing in photographers, you have them bringing in coffee roasters and a coffee shop. So I think that's drawing people into the neighborhood, but keeping the neighborhood fabric intact so it's not sticking out so much that it just makes you know, people think like, wow, development is coming and they see this big thing that just doesn't look like it's tied into the neighborhood. So I think, um, you know, maybe a really good um, answer, at least for me, that I feel is conscientious development. Um, so I don't know if that kind of answered your question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it does. I mean, you know, as, as a... Uh... As a potential candidate, I'm sure you're you're considering a lot of different, you know, things. And, and some of the things that come to mind to me, you know, as you're trying to balance something that is as very delicate as it is, but also look at the long term outreach of trying to create a sustainable uh, district. You know, the things that come to mind for me is, is how do you how do you get into more of a of a self-sustaining community? How do you get into a more eco-friendly type community so that you offset the barrier of uh, costs being increased by, you know, solar power being generated that's going to supply, you know, uh, X number of watts, kilowatts of power to, you know, whether it be homes or lights or, or, or businesses, uh, you know, and looking at alternative ways to try to kind of basically, uh, ensure that you're able to to kind of offset you know what initially is going to be a more cost expenditure or more increase in overall liabilities and responsibilities but uh, but certainly certainly those are just some of the thoughts that yeah. I, I, I would have um, actually it kind of brings up a, a thought that I have had in the past when I'm thinking about district five um, because in a lot of ways we're kind of starting from um, you know, basics from ground zero, uh, because we have always um, had issues and I won't say always, but for, you know, the, the um, recent past decade, um, schools have been an ongoing issue. We're not getting um, our kids the the best opportunities at education. Uh, the schools are not uh, ranked among, you know, the higher ranked schools in the city. Um, the crime rate, people don't feel safe. Um, and so that's been something that they've been constantly bringing to the attention of um, the city officials or even the newspaper, anybody who will listen, hey, we don't feel safe in the neighborhood. We need to do something about the crime. And then, of course, infrastructure. Um, and so all, all of these things are what make a community. So when, when those things are balanced in the right way, 
you know, you have a, a decently functioning community and not to say that District 5 isn't, I'm certainly not saying that, but um, when I'm thinking about all of this, I kind of think of it in the way that uh, when you're planning a development and this is maybe um, how we can think of um, just even on a grander scale. So if we're looking at a city and we have to think about, okay, how, where are the schools going to be? How are they going to be? Um, how are we going to police and how are we going to make people feel safe? And then how are we going to uh, build streets, sidewalks, um, streetlights so that they're not constantly breaking and going out and we're having to fix it. So we're really starting from the, the base, uh, from ground zero on that. And I think that if we're maybe talking to um, a city planner and treating District 5 like a small city, maybe that's the best way to go about it. Even, you know, sometimes with houses, and I'll make an, a, a, an allusion to houses because that's a relevant uh, example in my mind. Um, when you have um, a house that you're remodeling, sometimes it's better just to gut it and take it to the studs and build it almost brand new than try to retrofit electric and use some of the sheetrock and um, use some of the light fixtures and then you're putting in some new and you have some old. I'm not saying wipe the slate clean, but I am saying in terms of building um, an, a sustainable District 5 as a little mini city, maybe we need to treat it like that. Um, so I think some super smart city planners, um, urban planners can get together with you know, active um, folks from our district and people who have been rallying, you know, getting lower crime rates and making people feel safe and people who have been saying for the longest time we need to do better by our kids with the schools. Um, I think kind of a meeting of the minds and, and figuring out new solutions and, and not just accepting like, well, here's what the budget is for this and this is all we can do. I think uh, part of what I can offer as a representative is my willingness um, to um, question, okay, it's like this, but why does it have to be like this? If it's like this and nothing ever changes and nothing ever improves, why are we still doing it the same way? Um, so I'm, I'm thinking of it um, on, on a smaller scale as far as like, what can we specifically do? But then I'm also taking that idea and saying, well, how can we treat District 5 like a mini city and make it the, the best District 5 it can be? Because truly my grand vision for District 5 is uh, we're the envy of the other districts in the city. Uh, and it's possible. We have so far to go, but we have so much to work with. And um, I, I think there's a lot that can be done. And, um, you know, I, like I said, I'm willing to push issues, ask questions. Um, you know, one, one thing that I've come up against and, um, it's, it, you know, it's like this in any industry or any, um, any, anything new that you start. Well, um, that's not the way that it's done and you're going to, you know, this is really how it's done. And, um, these are what these people do and, and here's how you fit in. Well, um, <laughs> it does cause me to question like, okay, well maybe, maybe these ideas are, you know, really aren't going to make a dent in the way things are done. But then I, um, you know, 
push that out of my mind because all my life people have always said that's not the way that it's done. So if I listened to those people, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So it reinforces my, um, I guess my um, fortitude to push past the, that's not the way that it's done crowd. So I think, um, I know I kind of went all over the place with that, but hopefully that made sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, as we all know, like you said, one, it's tough to run a campaign, particularly during a pandemic. And, and two, it's probably even even more tougher to run one doing social uprising. But then let's think about, you know, the onset of all of this is coming out on the backside of all these things. Everything's going to be done differently. So mm-hmm. so, you know, you're you're right in trying to be as creative as you can by saying, look, we need to hit the reset button things that have been done in the past can no longer be done that way. And so in order for us to advance in District 5, we've got to get creative. We've got to have the right people in place. And we've got to be able to think openly towards change, Mm -hmm. you know. And then at the end of the day, how do you bring forth the unity? Because the community's got to agree with the developers. Developers have got to agree with the community. And all of that's got to kind of converge with what the city planning and city district, you know, wants to see. And so all those things have got to have a very unified, common denominator type platform that that everyone is, is very succinct and very aligned with in being able to true up what they see inevitably can happen with District 5, whether it's a year from now, two years from now, or or however much time it takes. But you gotta you gotta put the best foot forward starting today in order to be able to move that move that needle. Absolutely. And that's a really um succinct way of putting it and um i i actually i really like what you said about you know at the back end of this there's going to be so much change so right now is really is a, a good time to be thinking of of you know completely different ways to do things and um i had never thought of it in that light so i appreciate that <laughs> yeah no 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 worries there um Marie, because, you know, obviously, and, and, and all my all of my listening audience that listens to us, they, they know I run a project controls company, project management company. So we're dealing with this every day with mm-hmm. startup companies, with current companies. So, I mean, it's it's totally out of the box. And, and, the, and the things that's going to be so important as you consider your messaging going forward, you know, it's not only how well you engage, how well you help the overall District 5 transform and how you help them survive and how you help them recover, it's also going to be about the overall resiliency because guess what? You know, people don't want to have to continue to sacrifice and struggle or be oppressed, you know, based on things that are going on today. They want to be able to see that there's going to be some type of, some type of economic uplift that's going to bring the right prosperity where there's safety, low crime, new stores, whatever, whatever it is, you know, people want to feel like they're comfortable in their own community. And so, you know, that's a lot that I've stated. But at the end of the day, to me, as everything I've read about District 5, those are just some of the beliefs that I have. I don't live there personally, but certainly my company would be willing to offer professional support and counseling down there to help you guys see those things through. That Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's it seems like such a huge mountain to climb, but I think that whenever you have so much to do that you have to think on 
in grand scale. You can't have the band-aid solutions like, okay, here's what we're going to do. And hopefully this kind of, you know, makes things feel better for a little while. I, I want it to be, um, I mean, I don't think we didn't get this way overnight. So I don't think that it's going to unwind and become this totally different community overnight. And we have so many unique, awesome things about us that have made, I feel like we're, we're one of the most unique um, parts of the city in San Antonio. We've got art, we've got um, the river that, um, multiple rivers that run through District 5. We have, um, you know, some old musical, old Tejano roots coming from District 5. Um, so we have so much to work with. And um, I think we have so far to go for improving, you know, improving the district and keeping those um, things that make us unique. Um, and, but like I said, when I kind of, um, I, I make this, uh, I guess, illusion um, as well is when you have so much laundry to do or so many dishes to do, or just so much housework to do. And you're like, okay, where do I start? And sometimes you just sit down and do nothing. I think that has been kind of, I'm not saying, you know, folks in the past have just done nothing and twiddled their thumbs, but I'm saying now's the time to do everything. I mean, it, it has to be exhausting. It has to be, you feel like it's never going to happen, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and I think it's going to be a huge push to get all of these things up to where everyone can say, wow, this, this is the district that I want to be. I want to move um, from where I'm at over here on the north side to District 5 because those schools are so good. Because guess what? That's As a real estate agent, um, that's one of the main things that people are moving for schools. So, and, and they, there's, you know, like they want to move to Stone Oak or they want to move to Alamo Heights. Well, how can we make District 5 the place that people want to move to put their kids in school? And that's such a radical idea because, I mean, it seems like, you know, so different, but I think we've got to, we as citizens of the city and, you know, in the district, and we have to think in terms of radical ideas, like, okay, let's do something completely different. And, um, I, I think it's time for that. Yeah. 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 Well, I totally, totally agree with you. Totally, totally agree. And, and, you know, you know, I, I put out something a while back on, on, on basically LinkedIn that talked about, you know, if, you know, as, as small as the word if is when you put it into a statement is so powerful when you consider if the time is now, what are you going to do about it? Because right now is, is, is no time like any other. There is no playbook out there, folks. You know, I mean, we're we're hitting the reset button on everything. Everything's that got is, the reset button. Yes, that is right. You know, so... Uh, so let's talk about, you know, calls to action, you know, with regards to your campaign, you know, um, let's 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 give you an opportunity here to tell people how do they make donations and contributions to your campaign? You want to provide that uh, that address or website? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my campaign website where you can read my mission statement and um, uh, make a donation if you're able and if you're compelled is www.marie4district5.com. And that's the number five. 
Um, and you can go there to read about uh, kind of everything that we've talked about. And um, I also have a campaign Facebook page uh, and you can just look up um, Marie for District 5 and Facebook and you can contact me through there. Um, and yeah, I, I, that that's how you can um, check out my website and make a donation. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And so, uh, so as we're getting to a point here of wrapping up, uh, any any final remarks or any takeaways that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, well, I really appreciate uh, you having me on and uh, giving me a chance to um, talk about some of my dreams for District Five and. I think um, the more that you speak something into existence, the closer you are to it. So um, I'm I'm just going to keep pushing forward, um, and I would love to check in with you again, maybe closer towards the end of the year <laughs> when I've been running the campaign for uh, six more months. And um, yeah, and, and thank you so much. Sure, 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 absolutely. We, we we're more than delighted to have you back. As a, as a follow-up guest to see how things are going. And so to my listening audience, um, again, you know, there's, there's so much going on in our society today, and it becomes very important to understand what your journey is in life. And for Maria, for a dear friend of mine who's also a native of San Antonio, for her, her journey is about invoking change. And as we all know, change is only one decision away. So if you're deciding to make change out there today, whether it's perseverance, overcoming, adversity, doing whatever you want to do in life, you're only one decision away. And for our special guest, it started with her when she was a a very young lady wanting to help others, wanting to strive to be able to help people, help her community. And so I would like to say that, hey, if you're listening to this, please get out there. If you're in District 5, look up Maria Crab, look at what she's doing to be able to support her campaign, contact her through the mediums that she's provided as far as her website, as far as her campaign uh, emails. And basically, let's get behind trying to uplift a long legacy of heritage, principles, and ethics here in San Antonio. And with that being said, I'm Greg Proctor. This is Cut to the Chase. This concludes episode 17. Thank you very much, Maria. Have a nice day, everybody. Goodbye.